It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash futureinvestor slash radio. From the Bloomberg Interactive Burgers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, May 8th. Coming up today... Janet Yellen warns of a constitutional crisis over the debt ceiling. Joe Biden trails Donald Trump in a new presidential poll. PacWest extends gains after Friday's record surge. And Wall Street awaits two key readings on inflation. Protests continue over last week's death of a homeless New York subway rider. Plus, a vigil was held in Allen, Texas for those killed in the latest mass shooting. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. Losses for the Mets and Yankees. The Devils won game three. The Knicks have their game four tonight. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says there are no good options for solving the issue other than Congress lifting the cap. Yellen says the White House invoking the 14th Amendment is not a good option and could provoke a constitutional crisis. All I want to say is that it's Congress's job to do this. If they fail to do it, we will have an economic and financial catastrophe that will be of our own making. And um, there is no action that President Biden uh, and the U.S. Treasury can take to prevent that uh, catastrophe. Treasury Secretary Yellen made the comments on ABC's This Week. You can catch the program every Sunday on Bloomberg Radio. Well, Nathan, while the president tries to reach a debt ceiling deal, he's also struggling on another front. The president's approval rating has now reached a career low. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. The ABC News Washington Post poll finds Biden's approval rating at 36 percent, six points lower than in February. Some 56 percent disapproved of Biden's performance. 68 percent say President Biden, who is 80, is too old to serve a second term. Biden is lagging behind Donald Trump in early voter preferences for the 2024 election. The poll shows voters rated Trump's physical health and mental acuity higher than Biden's, and they believe he did a better job with the economy than Biden has done so far. 
In Washington, I'm Amy Morris. Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Amy. Meantime, President Biden's unveiling plans today that could affect travel around the country. He's looking to make things easier for passengers who experience flight delays or cancellations. The president will announce new rules that could require airlines to provide meals, hotels and additional compensation to travelers on canceled or severely delayed flights. The move comes ahead of an expected spike in summer travel. Well, turning to the economy now, Nathan, a few key economic reports this week could have an impact on Fed policy. We get data on consumer prices this Wednesday, followed by a reading on producer prices on Thursday. We get more from Bloomberg Economics correspondent Michael McKee. We get two CPI reports, two jobs reports before the next Fed meeting and one PCE. So we will have the opportunity to see a couple months worth of inflation data. It may or may not have a bearing on what they do the next month, but if it does come down, that will feed into this narrative that maybe we're going to get out of this, not not without a recession necessarily, but without having a real slowdown or forcing the Fed to raise rates so much more. And Bloomberg's Michael McKee says economists expect Wednesday's CPI report to show prices increased four-tenths of a percent in April, and that would bring the annual inflation rate to 5%. So there's economic data and the debt ceiling, Karen, but let's not also forget about earnings. Wall Street gets more of those to digest this week. We get a preview from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. There are ongoing concerns over turmoil in the financial sector, the debt ceiling, sticky inflation, and economic growth. Sarah Malik is chief investment officer at Nuveen. Revenue growth has been positive, but it's it's basically significantly has pricing power in it rather than volume growth. And if inflation inflation is rolling over, so I think it's going to be hard for companies to hold on to that pricing power. That's another leg that will take earnings down, and that I think then the S&P looks expensive. Among some of the companies reporting this week, Apollo Global Management, Devon Energy, Duke Energy, Occidental Petroleum, PayPal, and the Walt Disney Company. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thanks. Well, over the weekend, we got earnings from Berkshire Hathaway. Warren Buffett's conglomerate reported an almost 13% gain in operating earnings to post results of more than $8 billion in the first quarter. However, Buffett expects earnings at the majority of Berkshire's operations to fall this year, he says, as a long-predicted downturn will slow economic activity. Well, we're seeing regional banks continue their bounce back this morning, Karen. PacWest, which surged 81% on Friday, is up another 13.5% this morning. The bank's slashed its quarterly dividend and said business remains sound. Western Alliance is also gaining. It's up nearly 5% after soaring 49% on Friday. Even so, Nathan, this year's banking turmoil is weighing on the sector. Overall, regional bank shares in the S&P 500 are down 40% on the year. And the recent sell-off threatens to push broader bank shares below a technical threshold that could signal more pain ahead. The S&P 500 Financials Index is on the verge of falling back below its 2007 peak. And we get more from Bloomberg Markets reporter Valerie Titel. You think about what happened after 2008 and that hit to the banking sector took a decade to claw back. And now we're teetering about to fall below those 2007 highs. And you have to think of that with the backdrop that it looks like monetary policy is going to stay restrictive for longer. Given Friday's uh, hot payroll report, uh, it doesn't look like the labor market in the U.S. is starting to turn and and the Fed is not going to pivot into cuts until they start to see some real weakness there. And Bloomberg's Valerie Titel says we'll get an update on how banks are adapting to the turmoil in the Fed's quarterly lending standards survey, and that's due out later today. 
Time now to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York protesters are demanding justice in the chokehold death of 30-year-old Jordan Neely in the subway. The coroner has ruled the death a homicide. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office is investigating the case, which could go before a grand jury this week. The 24-year-old man, Daniel Penny, who allegedly caused Neely's death, says he was defending himself after Neely aggressively threatened him and others on board the train. Meanwhile, some demonstrators supporting Neely jumped on the tracks, preventing the F train from arriving. It is devastating, and it was absolutely preventable. And the city and the state have failed us again. Police arrested 13 people over the weekend. The city of Allen, Texas, held a vigil yesterday for the eight people killed and seven injured during a weekend mass shooting in a shopping mall. Governor Abbott and Lieutenant Governor Patrick were among the crowd at Cottonwood Creek Church, which hosted the vigil. Allen Mayor Ken Folk also spoke at the vigil. We will not let the actions of one individual impact our resolve. We will band together as a community and will emerge even stronger. But in this time of sorrow, please continue to pray for the victims and the families of the victims. The gunman was killed. President Biden ordered flags flown at half-staff denouncing the violence as senseless. In Brownsville, Texas yesterday, an SUV plowed into people gathered near a migrant shelter killing eight the shelter's director said that the facility's surveillance video showed an SUV running a light and crashing into people sitting at the bus stop. Victor Maldonado runs the Ozamanam Center, a shelter serving people in need of emergency housing assistance. It's just tragic. I mean, we've never had a situation like this happening, you know, here at the shelter or in the city. Maldonado says some of the victims were migrants. Closing arguments began today in the New York civil assault and defamation trial against former President Donald Trump. He decided not to testify in his own defense. Author E. Jean Carroll claims Trump sexually assaulted her in a Bergdorf Goodman dressing room in the 1990s. Jury deliberations are expected tomorrow. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Time now for our Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanshaw. Good morning, Nathan. Mets and Yankees combined to win 200 regular season games last season. Things not going so well this year, and both are looking at already large deficits in their divisions. Mets lost City Field, lost to Colorado. 13 to 6. Rockies hit two home runs in a seven run fifth inning. The Mets have now lost five of the last six, 11 of the last 14, and Atlanta keeps winning. The Braves are seven games ahead. Looked as if the Yankees were going to win the series at Tampa Bay, up 6 nothing with Garrett Cole on the mound. In seven starts, Cole had not allowed more than two runs. He allowed six. Rays took the lead. Yanks tied it. The Rays won 8 to 7 in 10 innings. They're now 28 and 7. They are 10 games ahead of the Yankees, who are expected to get Aaron Judge back tomorrow. Vita Blue passed away at 73 as a 21-year-old pitching for Oakland. Blue won the Cy Young and MVP awards. Familiar script for the Devils, who lost games 1 and 2 to the Rangers by a combined 10 to 2, but then won the series. They lost the first two to Carolina by a combined 11 to 2, but they won game 3 in Newark, 8 to 4. Jack Hughes, two goals, two assists. His brother Luke added two assists. Seattle beat Dallas 7 to 2, surprising Florida. One again, 3-2 in overtime over Toronto. Sixers beat the Celtics in overtime. That series tied at two. So are the Nuggets and Suns. Phoenix won game four. An incident in that game when Denver star Nikola Jokic took the ball from a fan, made contact with him, and that fan 
was Matt Ishbia, who owns the Suns. Jokic contended it was Ishbia who first made contact with him. Knicks in their two losses to the Heat have shot only 15 of 74 on three-pointers. Game four is tonight in Miami. John Stash Allen, Bloomberg Sports. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. We are kicking off a new trading week that could be dominated by concerns over the debt impasse in Washington, the health of regional banks as well. That says the Federal Reserve appears on course to keep interest rates elevated after another strong monthly jobs report. Will this week's inflation data change the calculus for the central bank? Let's bring in Dennis Gartman to get this trading week started, chairman of the University of Akron Endowment Investment Committee and, of course, the former publisher of the Gartman Letter. Dennis, good morning. What's the biggest market risk for you right now? I think the biggest risk is the fact that people, including yourself, called the employment number on Friday a strong number. Let's be honest, it really wasn't that strong. The revisions were 140,000 down for the previous month. And actually, almost all, in fact, all of the increase was predicated upon the birth-death adjustment number, which was plus 380,000. That's the largest number of the year. We'll probably start to see some lesser numbers on the birth-death adjustment. So I think that the non-farm payrolls number was actually almost clearly negative, well, almost negative if you take out the birth-death 
the birth death adjustment uh, phenomenon. So let's let's be honest. It was not that strong a number, and I was quite surprised by the, the response by the stock market with the Dow gaining, what, 500 points during the course of the, the, the day. That caught me rather off guard. I'm, uh, rather, I'm somewhat uh, bearish of stocks, marginally so, in my own account. I'm short about 7%. I've got uh, a large cash position, a large position in a two-year note, and a somewhat larger position in gold. So I'm, I'm short a little bit of stocks, long a little bit of gold, but basically predicated upon the, the, the uh, uncertainty regarding the economy. My biggest position is in the two-year note, and I'm comfortable sitting right there, essentially on the sidelines. All right. So you have been pretty bearish on this market for quite yes. some time. Uh, are you yes. raising uh, your forecast for a recession uh, coming out of the data that we've seen? I think that when the data is, is actually revised, I, I think uh, given the fact that we've revised downward the, the non-farm payrolls number by 140,000, which is a big number, I think we're, we may well be already in recession. It depends on which industry you're in. If you're in, uh, the, if you're in the commercial real estate, there's no question you're in recession. If you're in retail business, you're probably worried about being in recession. And if you're in, some, if you're in travel, you're, you're wondering, well, how can it be any better than what we've got? So it depends upon which industry you're in. But I think uh, on balance, when, when, we, when the NBER sits down in several months and looks back and says the recession began probably in the first quarter of this year. Time shall tell. Right. Now, you've also said that uh, you believe that the Fed is going to keep interest rates higher for uh, quite a bit longer yes. than the market is expecting. If we are starting to get the uh, data showing uh, the possibility of a recession sooner than expected, could that cause the Fed to bring rates down sooner than expected? The Fed will be slow in responding, to be quite honest. The Fed is always slow. They're always late to, to the adjustment, either to, to tighten or to ease. I'm, I've maintained that the Fed will be holding interest rates higher for a longer period of time, listening to what Mr. Powell has said and basically uh, uh, reverberating or re- re- reiterating what he, has always, what he has commented upon. I think the odds of the Fed pivoting and, and reducing interest rates by the end of the year are, are negligible borderline zero. I think it'll be early in 2024 before the Fed considers the, the possibility of lowering the overnight Fed funds rate. So it's a long ways into the future. And I also heard you say that you're comfortable staying in two-year uh, treasuries. Yes. Where do you see treasury yields going in this environment? Probably not much direction either way. We haven't gone far either way in, in the course of the past several months, and I think we're going to sit essentially where we are right now. So Holding short-term interest rates or holding short-term positions either in, in short-term T-bills or, or two-year notes is probably the place to be for the next uh, 12 to 18 months. I, th- I don't think there will be much movement in interest rates either direction, higher or lower from here. In our last minute here, Dennis, we've seen a rally, at least in the last couple of days, in regional bank stocks. What's your outlook yes. for the regionals and the impact that they could have on the broader stock market? I think we've probably had too much bearishness in the in the regional bank stocks. If there's one one area in the in the economy where you want to be a buyer, buying the regionals, especially in the southeast here in the United States, I think that's a very good place to go hide for a while. If you must hold equities, holding them in regional bank stocks that have, I think, been decimated and and unduly so over the course of the past month and a half or so. So that's one of the few areas that I that I can actually put together a bullish a bullish posture. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond.
Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for the Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash Future Investor slash radio.